So a word from Acts, um, Acts chapter, a little bit from chapter 4 and then from chapter 5. The story of Ananias and Sapphira is the very first part of chapter 5, um, but I think it's really helpful to start reading at chapter 4, verse 32. Chapter 4, 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, uh, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Anything but safe. It's something, isn't it? You read this story and you go, really? They were struck down on the spot. They lied. It's true. And they were intentional about lying. It's true. But couldn't this have been handled with a little more compassion and a little more grace? I mean, Peter, Pastor Peter, 
you received a ton of grace when you denied Jesus and swore up and down you didn't even know him. How about a little kindness towards Ananias and Sapphira? Pastor, couldn't you be a little more pastoral? And God, couldn't you have been a little more gentle? Well, this is a story worth exploring. And as I hope we will discover this morning, it is rich and relevant for the church. And it's probably a story that is, uh, is one we often don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole, but in fact it needs to hold a way more prominent place in the life of the church. And here's why. First thing is that this story doesn't stand alone. There's a whole series of stories in the Bible that are like this, people getting struck down just right on the spot, and you think, what was that? Nadab and Abihu, the two sons of Aaron, the high priest, way back in Leviticus, they get struck down on the spot one day because they offered what the Bible calls strange fire before the Lord. Then there was a story of Achan, remember him? The people of Israel just got into the promised land, Jericho. Achan kept some of the spoils of Jericho, buried them in his tent, and the next thing you know, he and his family are being stoned to death. And you remember the story of Uzzah, King David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines where it had been captured for a while, and he's bringing it back to Jerusalem, and this is a great thing, but they've got it on this cart, and the oxen are pulling it, and the oxen stumble, and Uzzah reaches out to steady the Ark, and the next thing you know, he's struck down, dead. These are stories that occur at key moments in the life of God's people, at new beginning moments. And that's the point. This Ananias story and Sapphira story, this also happens at a new beginning moment. And you know, the, the thing is that there is, there is a fiery purity about God which we forget at our own peril. And the wonder of God's gracious presence only deepens and gets magnified when we keep in view the fire of God's holy presence. Well, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It begins, as Luke tells it, actually with the story of another man, the one called Barnabas. Barnabas was, was a saint. I mean, he, he was a role model. He was generous. Generous in the kind of pure and awesome way that makes, makes you realize he's the real thing. He's a Christian through and through. He is an image of God. What he had, he was willing to share. He sold a field brought the money, put it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas is an example of what Luke has been describing in the early church. Right? You can read those kinds of beautiful descriptions of the early church a couple times early in Acts. 
And it's, it's like Luke is describing this newborn church in the way that you and I might describe a newborn, the way parents or grandparents might describe a newborn child. Right? When you listen to a parent or a grandparent, I mean, this one is the cutest. This one is bright, really precocious. Now, I'm not suggesting that Luke was airbrushing anything, but... The, the early church was this newly born, this reborn people, one in heart and mind. What does he say? Nobody claimed they had any possessions as their own. This was such a newborn, young church, they didn't know the word mine yet. They shared everything they had. They were kind, they were gentle, the, the, the fruits of the Spirit lived and acted, and, and these people were generous. One person sells a house, donates the money. Another person says, I don't need this cottage. I'll sell it, bring the money to the church. This was a community, says Luke, that had resurrection power working there. Grace was flowing. And Barnabas, well, Barnabas bought this field, and, and he brought in the money, which is where you say, see, that's what I'm talking about. Generous, generous, generous. Givers. Like God, the greatest giver of all. Right? For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. And Jesus, Jesus emptied Himself, right? Emptied Himself completely. He turned his whole being inside and out so that the pockets of his heart were showing. All that I have, all that I am, says Jesus, I give for your well-being. That's God. That's the generosity of God, and that, that is Barnabas. He's like God in that way. He's got the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus in him. And then, there's Ananias and Sapphira. On, on the one hand, Luke presents Ananias and Sapphira as counterpoints to Barnabas. Barnabas is so perfect and so genuine, but these two are not. They are actors. which you may know is, uh, is precisely the Greek word, what the Greek word hypocrite means. Actor. Who you are on the inside is one thing, and who you present yourself to be on the outside is something else. Now, a good actor is, is so convincing that you forget this person is an actor. Right? They almost become that other person. And you believe the character, and on stage, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, the highest compliment you could ever give to, to an actor is to say, well, you are a great hypocrite. You're a great actor. But anywhere else. Now, you know, we all present ourselves a little nicer on the outside. We sell ourselves, I mean... Job interviews, we put our best foot forward, don't we? 
when you're dating. I mean, when we dress every day, we kind of present ourselves in ways to minimize the issues and maximize the good stuff. Right? And isn't that what makeup's all about? Um, Self-promotion is all the rage these days, whether it's warranted or not. And in fact, our whole economy is built on the premise that we can appear to be and pretend to be the proud owners of anything money can buy, even if we don't own it at all. As long as we can manage the cash flow, we're good. Where do you draw the line on appearances? Here's the thing. On the one hand, Luke holds up Ananias and Sapphira over against Barnabas. I mean, genuine Barnabas, hypocrites over here, giver, withholder, receivers, people who recognize all that they had came from God, takers. They were trying to take recognition and honor and so on for themselves. So Barnabas over against Ananias and Sapphira, but here's one other thing about this story, and that's to take it to one more level. There's another story, an older story, that Luke wants us to remember today. An older story that also involves a husband and a wife, and treachery, and pretending, and something about knowledge, and something about instant death, or the penalty of death at least. And the question in the air in this old story is the question of generosity. Is it real or is it pretend? Luke wants us to think about the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God blessed Adam and Eve with every good thing they needed, right? He gave them each other. He gave them work to do. He gave them resources like crazy. He gave them a place. He gave them himself. The Garden of Eden was green and lush and fruitful, and, and it was all theirs for the enjoyment and work. And it's wonderful. Until, until the devil disguised, pretending to be acting like one of God's good creatures, shows up. And he says, God's been trying to pretend that he's so generous that he wants your best that he's doing all of this for you, this world and all of these trees and fruit, it's all for you. He, he's pretending to be generous, but God's not really generous at all. God is just acting as if he's generous. God, in fact, is not a giver, but God is a withholder. You know why he doesn't want you to eat the fruit of the tree? Because when you eat that, you're going you're gonna to know as much as he does, and you're going to have power. And God wants to hold on to that for himself. So he's not open-handed, pretending to be open-handed. That's who God is. God is a hypocrite, says the devil. And you know what happens when God is not a giver? We are not receivers. If God, in fact, is a withholder, then we have to become takers. And life after the fall is much more about humans withholding and taking 
than it is about humans giving and receiving. Right there in the beginning, God convinced Adam and Eve, pardon me, the devil convinced Adam and Eve that God was a hypocrite. And he turned the knife at that most delicate spot, the heart of God, the heart of generosity, of a love that spills over. His deepest desire is that we flourish. And that's where the devil sticks the knife. Here we are in Jerusalem, Luke says, and it's, it's the dawn of a new day, a new humanity, a new community of people who testify to the truth about God and about Jesus Christ, Jesus who emptied himself, gave himself for us. And in this community, the spirit of Jesus is so powerfully present that the spirit of emptying, self-emptying, pockets, purses, portfolios for the sake of others so that all may flourish just doing this. Not worrying about getting your name inscribed in a stained glass window. I mean, generosity just happened. I belong to you and you belong to me and we belong to each other because we belong to Jesus. As God has dealt with us, so we deal with each other. Paradise. And then along come Ananias and Sapphira, disguised as members of the church family, disguised as Christians, pretending to be generous, like Barnabas, you know, and the others. But they deliberately, I mean, what Ananias did and Sapphira had full knowledge of. That they were both aware of the good they were doing, the giving, and the evil, the withholding, the secret withholding. They had knowledge of good and evil. And they set out to make themselves appear as generous as the others, generous like God is. But in fact, they were takers. They wanted the recognition they wanted the honor of being these images of God, these generous images of God, without actually being that way. And, you know, it's, it's such a foolish thing, I mean, because it was so unnecessary. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have to give all the money. Peter makes that clear. They could have given part of the money, but... The problem was they lied about it. They were, they were withholding secretly. They were trying to pretend. I mean, they just didn't have to do it, but they did. And they posed as images of God, as givers. But in fact, they were withholders. And that was a poison. That was a wretched presence in the church community. And that's the problem with it. If the church of Jesus is called to be anything in this world, it is to truly represent God, to be his images and his, of his generous heart. We've got to be real about that, and it has to have integrity. The deception 
of Ananias and Sapphira strikes at the very heart of the gospel because it takes the glory of God's generosity. I'm, I mean the generosity that cost God such suffering and such pain. And Ananias and Sapphira just figured they could just grab a little bit of that for themselves. You know, they, they, they fell down dead on that particular day, but I think they died a lot earlier. This is about integrity. This is about God saying up front, right at the dawn of this new age of the church of Jesus, this is about God saying, if you want to be the church of Jesus, you better be real about it. Jesus had integrity. He lived and died out of that selfless generosity, and that's who the church needs to be. I want you, says God, I call you to be as gracious, as generous, as selfless with each other as I am with you. The stakes are high. This is about the reality of the Spirit of Jesus living within. For real. This is about ensuring that who we are on the outside isn't just some front. And that's what makes this such a challenging word. You know, if you've been a minister long enough, you baptize a lot of babies. And a lot of them have Bible names. But I don't ever, ever recall baptizing a baby with the name Ananias or Sapphira. Still, Ananias and Sapphira are our middle names just the reality. We have our public faces, our public personas, and then there's that person where we are when we're at home or when we're alone, and it's not always exactly the same. The question of motivation and intentions, you know, I mean, the doing good and serving and volunteering and using gifts all those good things that are part of us are intertwined with our dark sides, that part in us that wants to manage our appearance no matter. <laughs> Nobody really knows me on the inside. I keep up appearances. It's, it is a huge temptation for us in the Christian community to say the right words, do the right things, appear as if we have things in order that we are respectable enough. There's a gap. And that's why we keep coming back to the wonder of Jesus. That's why self-examination is so vital for us that's why honesty and confession are so important. Because it's not about how perfect we appear. It's much more about knowing ourselves as receivers. 
and knowing God as in fact the giver and, and marveling at it. I mean, if we want to have the name Christian attached to our persons or attached to our community, then we need to be Christ-like. That's what this passage says. Jesus was not a hypocrite. His giving inside and out was pure, was real. And here's the amazing thing. By the grace of God, we are, through faith, we are in Jesus Christ. And the spirit of Jesus Christ is at work in us for real. Wow. Anything but safe. Lord, you have such integrity, it can almost be frightening. How could anybody be that pure, that full of truth, that full of grace, that fiery pure, and that tender all at the same time? How could Jesus do what he did? How could you give your only son? And we look at ourselves, Lord God, and, and we cringe because that kind of integrity is mind-boggling. And it seems a long ways from where we're at or what we might be able to achieve. And so accept our humble thanks again today for the gift of your grace in Jesus Christ. May the depths of your generosity keep on overwhelming us until the day we see him face to face. Meanwhile, Lord, open our eyes and our ears and allow us to swallow in a beautiful way the gospel of Jesus as we gather around the table today in Christ.